uh, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed, though, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello, church. My name is Dan Chung. I'm executive director and co-founder of Crossing Borders, and I'm coming to you today to ask for your prayers. Um, we have found out, uh, the world has found out that uh, North Korea has had a COVID outbreak recently. Uh, it is believed that as of right now, about 4.5 million people have the disease, and um, uh, this really concerns us because, number one, uh, starvation has compromised the immunity of the North Korean people. Um, start, the, the country has been starving or hungry for the past 25 years about. And it is a known medical fact that um, starvation will compromise a person's immunity. So imagine a country full of people who have been starving for over two decades. Uh, number two, the medical system in North Korea is completely dilapidated. And so, um, uh, and the, the, the last thing that concerns us is that they are unvaccinated. Uh, North Korean uh, officials have rejected the vaccine over the past couple of years for various reasons. And so, we're left to prayer. Our partners, uh, our refugees that we know with family on the ground, um, we're asking them, we do have to mobilize to help these people. And they're, they're just telling us the only thing we can do right now is pray, which is why we're coming to you, the church. And I don't want, I don't want you to think that um, it's our only option and it's sort of a last-ditch effort. Actually, prayer is 
the most important thing. It's powerful. It's a powerful tool. James 5, 15 and 16 say this. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. It goes on to say in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Amen to that. Let's pray in faith together that the Lord will save as many North Korean people as possible. We're praying for that country right now. Um, we're giving you bookmarks uh, to serve as a guide for you in prayer uh, through this situation, as well as a handmade cross by a North Korean refugee. We hope that for the next week, we're asking people to pray every day for the country as they suffer. Thank you, and God bless. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Crossing Borders is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to help North Korean refugees uh, through the compassion of Christ to live healthy, safe, and productive lives. Um, so they have invited us, King's Cross Church, to join in and to commit to a prayer campaign uh, to pray for North Korea. Um, it starts today, and it goes the entire week until next Sunday, July 17th. Again, just to reiterate the urgency right now, the urgency to pray for North Korea, like, you know, it's been bad there for a long time. But the urgency right now, in the midst of the recent and rapid outbreak, as Dan said in the video, um, again, it's threefold. Number one, the reality of we community due to 25 years of, uh, of, of, of starvation. Number two, the lack of basic medical uh, supplies and just the medical system altogether. And number three, no vaccinations. Uh, so we are called to pray. So King's Cross, let's join with Crossing Borders and pray. So again, as he mentioned, as a part of the prayer campaign, they have sent us bookmarks. Where are they? Are they, they're on the back table in this space, so there's bookmarks here. Uh, and like I said, there are four prayer points. It, 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 it says, uh, pray for help. Uh, help, like kind of just another prayer point here. Pray, trust, trust in faith that God is working, and send uh, to pray for people to, to actually to go. Right, so these are four prayer points, and they also have given us uh, these handmade crosses. And each one has on the back, it has like a story, a specific story of the person who made this handmade uh, made cross. Okay, so if you are committed to joining in this campaign, please make sure to grab a bookmark, grab a cross, and these things can help us to, you know, to energize us to pray this week, but also even as the week ends, to continue to pray for North Korea. And lastly, as we commit to pray, uh, we want to use uh, our realms of influence, right? Social media. So, hashtag, uh, hashtag pray for North Korea. No, sorry. Hashtag pray for NK. And you can also tag crossing borders. You can do this on Facebook, Instagram, whatever um, social media that you use, right? 
So again, King's Cross. Let's pray. And actually, can I? Let's, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father God, we, we know that you love the people of North Korea. Like, there's no question about it, God. You, you, you love the people of North Korea. We know, God, that you weep over the conditions, the, the political manipulation, the darkness that sweeps the land. And so we pray to you, God, because you are mighty, because you are good, because you are merciful, because you hear every cry. God, you love justice. And God, you are making all things new. And so we pray to you, O oh God. And so, Father, on this first day of this prayer campaign of Pray for North Korea, I, I pray, God, would you stir the hearts of your people today? Would you move us to care, to empathize? Would you move us to action? And not just to feel bad for a moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move us to seek your heart for our neighbors that are not so far away, just up north. Would you cause us to hunger for the reality what happens when your people pray as you move in power. And so God, we thank you for crossing borders and the work that they are doing. We pray that you would empower them in their efforts. And God, we pray that they would be a force that brings real and lasting hope in a battle that can feel so hopeless. Thank you, Jesus. Move us to prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so before you leave today, make sure you grab the mark and the cross. Okay, how are we doing? Wasn't that cool? We could hear each other singing just now. It was like loud in here. Um, it's a, a blessing that we get to enjoy today. Uh, and if you haven't heard, that air conditioning is, is broken on the third and the fourth floor. We didn't want to see what it would feel like if we just had service up there, so we just decided to to uh, to make a quick adjustment. So I want to just thank uh, the various teams that really sprang into action. We found out, I think, like this morning at around 11 o'clock, we're like, oh, we're going to do what we're going to do. We changed gears, and people came out and just really made made this happen. This doesn't happen by itself, right? So serving team volunteers, thank you guys for making this happen. Um, so we can sit here and... You guys comfortable? It's okay? It's pretty cool? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so today, uh, we continue in the book of Acts. And as Tanner read for us so well, this long section, verses 26 to, no, chapter 8, uh, verses 26 to 40. And you know, this last announcement of the prayer campaign, I just feel like what an appropriate announcement to move us into our sermon today. This organization is called Crossing Borders. Uh, and while the context of that organization is different than what we read in our scripture, you know, they're, that they are supporting this work, uh, supporting refugees who have escaped, who have crossed borders in escape, escaping from oppression, escaping from danger, escaping for better opportunities. Um, in the passage that we read today, we actually see God crossing borders of culture, of race, borders of difference. He crosses into the complex realities of our lives. 
That may involve oppression. It involves confusion. It involves need. We see that God crosses these borders to bring life and the joy of salvation. And God does this crossing of borders most often through those people willing to be obedient. So that's what we're going to be looking at today as we kind of open up this narrative that we, that we read in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. So just as a basic overview, we are, again, we are in this series of Acts. King's Cross is committed to going through the entire book of Acts uh, in a cycle of three years. So like we started last year and we covered, I think, seven chapters. And then this year we're going to cover... four more chapters. Um, and what Acts is, it's this long narrative of the early church. Documentation of what the disciples, how they lived their lives in obedience to the Great Commission. You guys know the Great Commission? What Jesus gave them just before he was raised up to heaven. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Right? So Jesus gives them this great commission. And Acts is this narrative. And it's this blessing that we have, because as Pastor Sangmin noted, like, we only have this one book. We've got four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, but we only have one narrative of this early church. Uh, the long form, well, we, we call it Acts. The long form of this book might be called the Acts of the Apostles uh, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and it is a blessing that we have these stories. Um, and it's not so much a story that explains to us how we're supposed to you know, do church community today. It's not an instruction manual like this is exactly what it must look like at all times and all places, but it does give us real examples of believers wrestling with their cultures, with their own sense of religion and worldview, and how God held the church, and how God continues to hold the church in His hands. Alright? And so it is such a, such a, a great opportunity for us today to look at and look at this is this is the church then. What can we learn? How can we be the church today? Guys with me? Cool? Alright. So this story, what we read today, is such a cool story. I would say just up front, if you if you notice there are these elements of just the supernatural. Okay, so we have the character, we really have only two characters. Now we've got three characters. We have Philip, who is one of the seven that was elected by the apostles. In, I think it was in chapter seven. Maybe it's chapter six. Um, the apostles elected seven men who were of worthy character to serve tables. Now they're not waiters. They're not going around literally serving tables, but they were, they were 
held responsible to wisely and compassionately care for the needs of the community. And so Stephen, excuse me, Philip was one of those seven. But we also see this other character, an angel, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and at the, at, towards the end of, the, of, of this passage, uh, as, as Philip uh, baptizes uh, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's like, he's swept away. Philip is swept away. He's like, he's like God, God like teleports him and sends him somewhere else. It's this fantastic supernatural account. But what I would love for us to, to see today is that we're, what we're seeing is just another, another story of the good news of Jesus moving powerfully beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And it's not so much because the disciples, the apostles, or even uh, Philip himself, it's not that they had like these amazing hearts for other people or cultures, and it's not because they had these big plans to evangelize and to reach out and to go forth, but rather it was through persecution. It was through this scattering of believers that God actually pushes the believers toward the Samaritans and beyond. This was God's move to push His love beyond the borders. Alright, so our narrative. So Philip, Philip is told by an angel to go south. And so he goes. How long was he going? Like if you just read the text, it looks like it's just like a moment later. Like, go, and then he sees the thing. Like, we don't know, man. How long was he going? He might have been walking for hours and hours. Now how many hours does it take to walk in the desert to start thinking, man, what the heck am I doing walking in this desert? probably doesn't take too long. But I just want us to, 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 to understand that this is something that actually happened, right? It's not just a timing of what we read in the text. It's like, imagine Philip, here's the angel, go, he goes, he's walking in obedience. It could be hours later before he understands why he has been called to go. But Philip continues in obedience. This is all God needs from us to do incredible things, amen? To continue in obedience. So Philip, he goes. And on the way, there's an Ethiopian eunuch, a servant of the queen of Ethiopia, sitting in his chariot, reading an excerpt from the prophet Isaiah. This Ethiopian eunuch, it could not be any more different from Philip himself. He's from a different culture. He's of a different race. There's difference in power. Servant of the queen. And yet, a slave. There's a difference in even gender identity as a eunuch. I don't want to go into too much details here. I actually dove in a little bit too much in my own research. But basically, eunuchs, they were males who were castrated for the service of royalty. This was fairly common in certain cultures. And it was believed that 
eunuchs would serve the kingdom better uh, for various reasons, but one of them would be because they could be trusted more, that they wouldn't have this ulterior motive to one day uh, rebel and revolt against the king or the queen for their own for their own dynasty, for their own children, because they're eunuchs, they don't have children, so they can be trusted. And you know, there are things in Jewish law even that forbade anyone with damage to their sexual organs to be allowed into the community. And yet we see God speaking to Philip, hey, go, let's bring this man home. Here God is showing a promise fulfilled that he prophesied in Isaiah 56. When God promised to give eunuchs something way better than sons and daughters. That he would give them names and everlasting glory with him. So again, the, the, the Holy Spirit tells Philip, hey, go talk to him. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. You see, you see the guy? You see the guy in the, in the chariot? Go talk to him. Now here's the other thing. When I read this text, if I'm not really thinking too hard, when I read this text, I imagine the chariot is just kind of sitting on the side of the road. Just sitting. And the eunuch is just sitting. And it's all kind of just very, I don't know, serene, I guess. So Philip just has to walk up to them, right? But that doesn't really make sense. Like, why would the chariot just be sitting there? We know that the eunuch is on his way home. So probably, actually, the chariot is probably moving. Now we get a whole different picture, right? Of the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip to say, hey, go, hey, go talk to him. Now you gotta imagine Philip running, running to catch up to a chariot being pulled by horses. He's gotta be running next to him. He's like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And as he's running, he hears the eunuch reading from the book of Isaiah. You guys picturing that now? <laughs> hey! What are you reading there? Yeah? Do you understand what you're reading? Now maybe the eunuchs are like, hey, hey, hold, stop, stop the, stop the horses. Maybe not. <laughs> hey, do you understand what you're reading there? And the eunuch says, man, how can I? How can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? And so he invites Philip into his chariot. And so then they read this passage together. This passage is from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. I'll read it again. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. So the eunuch asks, who is this person being talked about? Is the prophet talking about himself, or is the prophet talking about someone else? Such a great question. And so Philip, starting from that passage in Isaiah, Philip shares, he shares with the eunuch the story of God's salvation 
from that passage, he, he, he tells them the good news of Jesus. Could you do that? Could I do that? You guys might think, no, nah, that's not my job, it's a pastor's job. So then I ask, could I do that? Well, but man, like, why, why not? Why, why shouldn't we be able to? This is something, man. This is something. We've got to know. We've got to know something of what the Bible says, right? We've got to know something of this salvation history that we are a part of. And you can think to yourself, like, man, if I don't know much about this, and I guess I don't really care that much. Why don't I care that much? Examine your heart. But yeah, just as a small challenge. If Jesus is your Savior, if you know that you need Jesus, just be able to, to think through and to be able to explain what that is. Because of my sin. Because of my rebellion. Because of God's holiness. And, and, and just to be able to walk through what the Bible says. Alright? So there's a little bit of homework for all of us. Hey, can we, will we be able to explain? Not as a scholar, but just to be able to explain. So Philip, he shows him, he shows the eunuch from this passage how he needs a Savior. How he needs a sacrifice way better than rams and dying sheep. That he needs the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Philip explains to him, the good news of Jesus. And by the end of it, the eunuch is like, man, I believe! I receive! Check it out, there's water! Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? Let's go, let's get baptized. And so they climb out of the chariot, I imagine that both of them are laughing, they're celebrating, there's such this great joy, they go down into the water, and the eunuch is baptized. What a beautiful picture. And when they come out out of the water, like I said, suddenly the Spirit of the Lord carries Philip away. You guys see this? We had a baptism a few, uh, how long ago was it? A few weeks ago. Can you guys imagine? Pastor Sungman, just after dunking one person, he just vanishes <laughs> into thin air. Can you guys imagine that? But it didn't seem to phase the unit much because what we read is, okay, he doesn't see Philip again anymore, but... He goes on. He goes on his way rejoicing. He goes on his way rejoicing. And what we know of Philip is Philip is carried away and he's taken to continue, to continue sharing this good news. And Philip does. I want to call our attention to something in the first part of what we read, verse 26. There's this short sentence. It's almost like a throwaway sentence. It says, uh, can you throw that up there? Verse 26. So the angel tells Philip, rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is a desert place. 
God calls Philip into the desert, right? And by the end of this story, if you can see this miracle, and yeah, there was all kinds of supernatural stuff happening throughout the story, and how he, you know, angels talking to Philip, Holy Spirit saying this, you know, like going, and amidst this kind of what seems to be like wow, uh, wow kind of supernatural stuff, we can see this incredible miracle. This divine moment. They were in the desert, and by the time the gospel has been shared and received with joy, they come upon water. No water in the desert, man. Otherwise, it's not a desert. That's probably too simplistic. But if you guys hear what I'm saying, they were in the desert, and they come upon water. It's from the desert to water. This is what God does. From darkness to light, from death to life, this is what God does. This is the good news of Jesus. You know, we sang this song, uh, and there's that lyric, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Now, when Philip started his day, he didn't know what was going to happen. When he was told to, to go south and walk down the desert, hours of walking, you know, like, what am I doing? He didn't know what was going to happen. But maybe, maybe he believed. I want to see the goodness of the Lord. Eunuch didn't know what was going to happen to him that day. But man, God, God came and he moved in power. And something about the eunuch that has been uh, taught and told often is that this eunuch would go on and to, to start uh, the, the Christian church in northern Africa. That this was like, this was what was the pivotal thing of, of who the eunuch was, that he would go forth and that he would start these Christian communities in, in a distant land. Let me read to you uh, what Willie James Jennings says in his commentary on Acts. It's a little bit long, but it's, it's really beautiful, so please listen. He says, too often, the eunuch has been interpreted simply as an instrument, as a necessary linchpin for evangelization and mission into the unknown parts of the world. But such ways of reading this story miss the joy that fills this scene and reflect a, a vision of humanity as nothing more than tools, and a vision of God that has forgotten the extravagance of divine love. God has come for the eunuch precisely in his difference and exactly in the complexities of his life. He, the eunuch, the, he matters not because he is close to worldly power and thus a more appealing pawn, he simply matters, and he is being brought close. He will no longer be far from home. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> this is what the good news of Jesus does, friends. Jesus, who, like a sheep, is silent before the slaughter who in humiliation, justice is denied from him. He's wrongfully accused and executed. Like this is the most 
unjust event in all of human history. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. He's executed on a device of excruciating pain, of deep shame, and all of this to pay for the penalty of our sins. But also to pay for the sins done against us. The hurts that we have caused, the hurts done against us. Jesus went to the cross to pay for these things, to cover over these things. To pay for our sin, to pray, to pay for rebellion. To pay the death that we deserve. And in that humiliation, Jesus reveals God's glory. In his humiliation, hanging on the cross, Jesus reveals God's glory and his grace. Jesus is worthy of our worship, our obedience, our affections, our faith, our lives, because of what he did on the cross. Because of who he is and because of what he has accomplished on the cross. Jesus brings us from the desert to springs of living water. From darkness to light, from death to life, to bring us home to the Father. And so in this story, we see the story of God breaking down walls and crossing borders. This is for us to receive this love. This is for us to give this love across whatever borders there may be. So we're going to just go and we're going to respond. We're going to go to prayer, guys. I invite us to pray. to think about this story of God's pursuit for you. Picture, picture Philip running alongside the chariot. <laughs> God's pursuit of you. So the first thing that we can just pray Let us receive His love. Let's recognize what walls there may be established around your heart and your mind. What borders might separate you from your Father in Heaven. And would you see that God pursues you?
also pray, can we think of the people that are near you who are different? The people that are in and around your lives and are just so different from you. We pray for God's heart. How can you love them in Christ's border-breaking love? How can we receive His love and then live His love and then love as God loves? Friends, can we pray for God's heart?
We are invited to His meal. This is our invitation in a way that we can live out the reality that we are home with the Father. Amen? So let's take first the clear wrapper that peels up to grab the bread. This is the bread. This, this is Christ's body given for you. Just take it.